Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. Today's mystery is actually quite personal because it is something that we were going through as a family. If you've been following me for a while, you probably know that in addition to cases that I see in my practice, I'm also very open about sharing personal experiences and stories. I really do believe that no one can truly understand you unless they've experienced it And I have certainly walked a marathon in your shoes. And as new things come up with myself or my family, I really love sharing because I know that if my experience can help even one person, then it's a win. Though, of course, the hope is that it'll help many, many, many more, which is why I'm so passionate about this podcast and about you, my listener, for being here and seeing that you can solve your mysteries And then there is hope. This is what I talk about all the time. We have to know that there is hope. Today, I want to share what happened to my son, Jake, and how we put all the pieces together over the last year to solve the mystery. If you have kids or grandkids, or if you work with kids, and even if those kids have never had any health issues, please keep listening because this is something that can affect any child. It all started last summer. I noticed some behavioral shifts with Jake. He was acting out a little bit more. He started being interested in different things and just kind of had different types of habits. Now, he was five at the time and he craved more independence, which isn't a bad thing, right? I mean, it's good for him to do that. He's getting to that age and he's getting older and it made sense that he wanted to do more things on his own. The problem was that when he wasn't allowed to or certain things on his own weren't okay, he would start to get more oppositional. At that same time, there was also some anxiety that I noticed, mood swings, and he would just be more short-tempered. He would turn almost on a dime, and I've never seen that before with him. 
He was about to start kindergarten. It was at a new elementary school. He was out of preschool. It was that summer. And he knows that he was going into this bigger school. So I figured, okay, well, there's a lot of changes happening. He knows there's a lot of changing happening. So maybe the anxiety was about some of the new things to come, which of course made sense. He started school. And that September, this was September of 2022, he started chewing on his shirt. And it was so odd. And I didn't know where that was coming from. And as I looked more into it, I assumed, okay, well, it's probably anxiety, new, bigger school, new kids, new teachers. And of course, you know, everything was new. The other thing I noticed though, is he started getting frequent urination. Now he drinks a lot of water. He takes a lot of supplements. So it makes sense. He goes to the bathroom a lot, but he was going every five minutes. And the interesting thing was that at night, he had no issue. So he would go to sleep. He would sleep for 11 or 12 hours and then go to the bathroom in the morning. So he wasn't getting up all night long. He wasn't wetting his bed or anything like that. It was just a sort of urgency and frequency that would happen during the day, especially at certain times of the day. Trying to think of all of this, I figured, okay, well, frequent urination can also be part of anxiety and with the new school and everything else happening, it's probably all related. And so September and October went by but nothing was really changing. He was becoming more and more oppositional. The mood swings were getting worse and it was just harder. Everything just seemed harder. So I consulted a behavioral therapist and we worked on a lot of different regulation activities and techniques. She gave us a lot of different tools and worked on how we cope and managing emotions and really explained everything in the way that he can understand. At that time, we also started another therapy called listening therapy. If you're not familiar with it, it's actually a really cool thing where kids actually listen to classical music, but it's set up in a very specific progression and it's designed by the audio therapist. And how they design it is that they actually test them to see what's going on. And the point of this is that it's supposed to be very calming. And it actually helps to connect the right and the left side of the brain and even to help form new neuropathways. Now, it can also help with overall speech. And at that point, Jake had a little bit of a harder time with his S's and his SH's. And so that like sh sound almost sounded a little bit like a K. And so we started that therapy to help with that. And what they do is they actually do a hearing test, but not to see if you can hear, but more they give you words and sounds in each of your ears. So you wear headphones and they'll say things only on the right side and then only on the left side. And some of it actually is meant to sound almost mumbled. And then they have the child repeat it so they can see which ear is able to hear better, but not necessarily hear the sound, but more even interpret the sound. And so what she found was that his right ear was very dominant. And even with some of the mumbled words, he was able to recall and say almost 80% of that versus his left ear. He was only able to actually say and understand only about 40%. So there was this big discrepancy between the left and the right ear, which is actually really common. Now, because the ears are connected to the opposite side of the brain, if the right ear is more dominant, that actually signifies that the left brain is more active and dominant, and there's less in the right brain. Now, the right brain 
is the brain that is going to look at emotions and feelings and creativity versus the left brain is going to be that analytical side, which makes total sense because my little Jake is a little engineer. He takes things apart at even five years old. He likes to connect different plugs and um, he likes to connect wires and like he is so left brain dominant. So it made a lot of sense. And so the listening therapy, the way that they do it was meant to actually increase the function in the right brain and help to connect the left and right brain. And they do this through the very specific progression of classical music. Sounded really cool and very benign at the same time. And so we started this as well. Now, interesting, after just one session of listening therapy, his SH sounds came in perfectly, which was so cool. But here's the thing, that calm that we hear about from listening therapy, that never came. The mood stuff never shifted. And actually, some of the things actually got worse. At one point, I even questioned the listening therapy. If it creates these new neuropathways in the brain, can that make it worse somehow? And I had to ask. And I asked this wonderful woman, Alex, who does the therapy, and she assured me that there's no way that listening therapy could make his behavior worse or anything like that. But I don't know. I just kept seeing things get worse and worse. So I said, I'm not sure about this. Let me stop it for now. I just didn't know what was happening. It was fall of 2022 at this point. He was in school. And while he did really, really well academically, he was already doing second grade math in kindergarten, that chewing on his shirt, the frequent urination, that all continued. And then the outbursts and the tantrums, those continued, especially at home. This just didn't feel like my child. And I kept wondering, what happened to my sweet little boy? Little things would set him off. And it's like he couldn't cope. He would react and often yell at really non-consequential things like me opening his coconut yogurt when he wanted to do it himself. It was hard for him to take turns, to wait in line, or really anything that had to do with patience. It was just hard for him to regulate himself and his emotions. And can we talk about bedtime? Oh my goodness, that was not easy. And we've never had issues at bedtime before. I remember he got the flu in November and everything heightened even more. His sensory system seemed like it was on overdrive. He couldn't handle his nose running or dripping and the discomfort just made him yell even louder. It was just so not like him and so not how our family unit operates. We typically don't raise our voices. We're a very quiet kind of home. We are sort of pretty undramatic as a whole. Now, many people kept saying, it's a phase, he's five years old, a lot is changing, give it time. And so I did. But I knew in my gut that something just didn't seem right. We kept seeing the behavioral therapist and she showed us lots of techniques like giving him more choices and that helped a bit, but not all that much. I also took all of the popular parenting courses. I did the positive parenting solutions course, which I loved. And I also did the big little feelings course, also loved. And as I was listening to those courses, it made so much sense. And I kept trying all the techniques. When he was having a tantrum, I would get down to his level on the floor. I would sit with him. I would hug him. I would tell him that I understand that he's feeling upset or mad. This is what all those courses say to do. And I know that if it was me that was upset, 
that would totally help me. And it would totally work for me because my love language, for those who are familiar with the five languages book, my love language is words of affirmation. And so I thrive on acknowledgement, but none of this worked for him. The more I would talk to him and acknowledge when he was screaming, the harder he would react. I was so, so hopeful about these courses and techniques, but they just didn't work for him. It almost seemed like he was in that place when he was yelling and reacting. It was like he wasn't there, like he was blacked out or something. And I was trying to confirm and I was trying to communicate with him. But at those times when he was screaming and yelling, it was like I was talking to a wall. Over the next few weeks of working with the behaviorist, she asked me if I'd considered that this could somehow be biochemical. <laughs> I laughed in a very nice way, of course, <laughs> and had to tell her, um, do you know who I am? <laughs> but very often, kids act out and have behavioral changes as well as attention issues, when they have poor nutrition, when they have food sensitivities, when they're deficient in B vitamins or magnesium. And I am very, very aware. And Jake was eating a whole food, home-cooked diet. We're a gluten-free and dairy-free household. He was eating very little sugar. And I was giving him magnesium, B vitamins, fish oils, probiotics, and many other nutrients. Plus, when he was younger, I did a ton of work on his gut and his liver. So I really had this part covered. He's also never been on antibiotics, so I knew that his microbiome was good. And so after, though, I got over being offended by what she said, the more that it went on, the more I started to think, well, could there be something else? I had considered a few possible conditions and diagnosis, but it was one of those things that I would think, nah, not my child. This kind of thing happens to others, but not here. Anyone feel this before? So things went on through the fall and into winter, and not much was changing. Then in early February, my husband Scott got sick. He woke up one morning with a terrible sore throat and fever. He actually couldn't even go to work. He went to urgent care and came home with an antibiotic. I always tell him that if he goes to the doctor to tell them to do a throat culture. So they did, and they said that it'll come back in a few days. He felt much better after two days of antibiotics, and we didn't think much of it. Three days later, the doctor called and said that his culture came back and it was strep, but it's all fine not to worry because the antibiotic he's on covers strep, so he doesn't need to do anything else and just continue the course and all is fine. He actually didn't even really mention it to me. It was in passing that he was like, oh yeah, they called it a strep. And he was feeling much better. And myself, my kids, Drake and Julia, were totally fine. But I thought to myself, maybe we should get everyone tested for strep just in case. And to be honest, I don't even know why I had that thought because we were feeling totally fine. But knowing that strep could be really contagious, we went to urgent care as well. Well, lo and behold, everyone was positive, Jake, Julia, and I. I was shocked as we had no symptoms and especially Jake, nothing. His throat wasn't even red, nothing. When positive for strep, the standard protocol is an antibiotic, usually amoxicillin. And I was so proud that Jake was now six years old and had never had to take antibiotics before. 
And of course, while I was a bit apprehensive about giving him an antibiotic and also giving the baby an antibiotic, when it comes to strep, it's really important to treat because if left untreated, it can lead to rheumatic fever and that can create heart issues down the line. And so while I was not happy about doing a round of antibiotics, I knew that we had to. And so we all started amoxicillin. What happened next was quite shocking. Two days after we started the antibiotic, everything completely shifted for Jake. I'm literally getting goosebumps as I'm telling you this right now. It was nothing short of a miracle. The tantrum stopped. The frequent urination went away. He stopped chewing on his shirt. And some other OCD type behaviors went away too. I could reason with him again, have a normal conversation. My sweet little boy was back. Honestly, if someone told me the story, I'm not sure that I would believe it if I didn't see it with my own eyes. It was like someone replaced him and now he was back two days later. While I had my suspicions of what it may have been, seeing this, I connected all the dots immediately. There's something called PANDAS, which stands for Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with streptococcus. And then something called PANS, which stands for Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. So PANDAS and PANS cause these typically sudden onset of OCD symptoms, which sometimes can be severe. And they also cause a lot of behavioral changes. And in some cases, it could be really extreme. And parents will say, my child changed overnight. And this is kind of what happened. They may also have new and intense fears, new and intense concerns about things like being clean or putting certain things away, stressful thoughts and images. And all of these fears and concerns could be so strong that it could be hard to comfort the child. And we were seeing that as well. There could be compulsions, watching their hands or doing things repeatedly, which he was doing with certain things. And I think the chewing was part of that and just being unable to stop. And kids with pandas and pants will also have a lot of new symptoms that they didn't have before. So ticks or jerky movements. Jake didn't have ticks specifically, but he started to like pick his lip and do these repetitive types of motions, which I think were almost kind of like a tick for him. They could have anxiety, depression, mood swings. We definitely had that. They would be aggressive sometimes acting out, being more hyper. Absolutely, we had that. Um, Sometimes kids can even use baby talk or act very clingy or have new bedtime fears. We were experiencing a little bit that as well. In some cases, there could be trouble with fine motor skills or handwriting or memory or doing certain skills at school, the bedwetting, frequent urination, sleep issues. It could be fears and fears about anything, fears about food or choking or not eating. And they could have sensitivities to things like sensitivities to noise, touch, even clothing or light. And Jake definitely became a lot more sensitive and there was just more sensory issues that were happening. What happens with pandas and pans is when the body's presented with something, typically an infection, the immune system goes to fight that germ. And so it creates antibodies. However, as it does that, in addition to going after the germ, the antibodies also mount an attack on the brain. It's a process called molecular mimicry that I speak about a lot on the show. This is that same process that happens when someone eats gluten, 
when they may not be predisposed to process it well. And then the body, while it's attacking the gluten, will also accidentally attack the thyroid, is one example. So in pandas and pants, as the body's attacking the germ or germs, it also attacks the brain, specifically an area called the basal ganglia. So what is the basal ganglia? It is a group of subcortical nuclei that are responsible for motor control, motor learning, executive functions, behaviors, and emotions. So when this part is being attacked and it's inflamed, no wonder there are so, so, so many symptoms. Pandas and pans are also often grouped together, but there is a difference between the two. And that is that pandas is the inflammation due to group A strep specifically. So this is what gives a strep throat. And pans is inflammation caused by other infections. So it's not specific to strep. In Jake's case, we definitely had strep as a trigger. There was no question about this at all. I started to think back to when this started. And interestingly, it started back last summer. So July of 2022. Now, I vaguely, vaguely remembered that Scott got sick last summer as well, in addition to him being sick this February. So I called our doctor. We actually see different doctors, but they're in the same network. And so my doctor is really nice and, you know, we have a really good relationship. So I said, do me a favor, look in the notes. And so she contacted his doctor. They looked in the notes and turns out Scott actually had strep in July of 2022. However, no one called. He went in. They gave him an antibiotic. They actually gave him Augmentin at that time, which is really like broad spectrum and strong. And so they never bothered to call or tell him. They just figured, well, it is what it is when the test came back and he was already on the right antibiotic. So none of us knew. Jake must have gotten triggered by it then, had no symptoms, right? So we never knew. And that's when his issue started in July. Now his body must have fought it off, the strep meaning, but that autoimmune trigger remained. Pretty crazy, right? And while I know that the trigger was strep for him, I also know that from some of my continuing education trainings and some of the functional medicine experts that I follow and you know, just some of the teachings that I've had, even though I don't specifically specialize in kids, but you, know, you just hear about things and your brain just absorbs <laughs> when it relates. So I just remember that when there's pandas, a lot of times the pans is part of the picture too. And so it made me wonder, in addition to strep, could there be other triggers too? Because it's not always just one. So I made an appointment with a panda specialist. Her name is Dr. Nancy O'Hara in Connecticut. She's very well known for this and she's one of the best in the country. So I called them right away. Took a little while to get in a few months, but we got in there and she's in Connecticut. We're in New Jersey. So we have to see her in person. It could be telemedicine most of the time, but you have to see them in person once. So we took the three hour trip to Connecticut to see her. And what was interesting is that she was explaining that while strep is definitely a big trigger in her practice, strep is not actually the main one that she sees because a lot of times the strep itself was already treated, but there's actually three others that are the pan's triggers that she sees even more. And those three are mold, Lyme, and viruses. And what's interesting is that Jake does get swollen lymph nodes. 
We looked at a lot of that. We changed his protocol to help address some viruses. And then we did a lot of testing for mold and for Lyme. And I felt like, okay, we figured things out. And then literally one day later, after we saw Dr. Nancy, Scott comes home from work. And this is also the day before we were leaving for our vacation. This is April of 2023 now. And he says, my throat's sore. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, (laughs) go to urgent care. Let's see what's going on. And I asked him, please, when you go, have him do a rapid and also do a culture. And so then he comes home an hour later and says his rapid strep test was very, very positive. And he got antibiotics from the doctor. Now at this point, Jake was fine. I was fine. Juliet was fine. But of course, I'm thinking, okay, I need to go test Jake right away. Lo and behold, Jake was positive again. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with Scott? Like, why does he keep getting strep? And where is he getting the strep? Where is he bringing the strep home from? Like, you know, he works at home and he goes into the city a few days a week. Like, but he's not like out and about so much. Where is he getting the strep? And how is he bringing this home? But after this, I realized it wasn't Scott bringing it home. It was Jake all along. Jake is getting it at school or at gymnastics or whatever after school activity he's doing. And then because for some reason he is completely asymptomatic, he is bringing it home. And Scott has really large tonsils. So he is just very prone to strep. And that's why he gets it first. And so how we know that Jake had the issue is Scott would have to get sick. And that's when I realized I have to test Jake. So after this second time that this happened, I smartened up and I got some home tests. And so since then, I've been testing Jake every few weeks with the home swabs just to make sure. Now, interestingly, with the second strep infection in April, I noticed his behavior on a little bit of a decline for a few weeks right before this. And so he likely had it a few weeks before we found out. And how we found out was that Scott eventually got it from him, got really sick. And then I thought, oh, wait, I need to test Jake again. Now, if you can believe it, Jake got strep yet another time just a few weeks ago this July. Now, this time I caught it super early. I kept hearing friends mention that they've had strep and strep's just been so rampant this year. I've never heard of so many people getting strep so often as much as I have this year. And so I usually test Jake every few weeks. And I decided, let me test him, even though it was before our quote-unquote scheduled testing time. And he was negative on July 2nd. And then I tested him again on July 20th after I heard all friends talking about it. And he was positive. Now, this time, we did not see very many behavioral things at all because I caught it so early. Though, unfortunately, not early enough because Scott, Julia, and I got it too. Our tests were like a week positive on the rapid, but it was definitely the start of something. And actually, I had Scott go back and do another rapid a few days later, and then it went from a mild positive to definitely a pretty you know, strong line. It was a positive. So it's definitely Jake's biggest trigger. However, we have found that other triggers that Dr. O'Hara mentioned still do have an effect. She has us doing a parasite protocol for Jake around the full moon. And when we did that, Jake started stuttering. And this was so interesting because he's never stuttered before. And of course, stuttering can come from many different underlying causes, but this is not an issue that 
he's ever had. At first, it was really scary because I didn't know what was happening. Scott even said, wait a minute, is he having a stroke? Like, what's going on? Because it was all of a sudden and we had to kind of sit down and think about it. Like, you know, kids don't really have strokes or something else that's going on. And what we figured out was that parasites can actually house viruses in them. And likely as the parasites were coming out from the parasite cleanse, I was actually using the para one with him. As those viruses were coming out, that that actually triggered the pans and stuttering is also one of the symptoms of basal ganglial inflammation, especially when it's temporary. And when we finished the six-day course of the parasite support during the full moon, the stuttering completely went away. The following month, it was time to do the full moon protocol and you guessed it, the same thing happened. We used the same nutrients, and as he started detoxing, the stuttering came. As soon as we finished, it went away. I also started doing other anti-inflammatories with him and using a strong curcumin, and now when I do the parasite protocol and use the curcumin, it actually gets much better. And what I also noticed is there was two days that I forgot to give him the curcumin, and it actually came back. So it just goes to show that it really is related back to that inflammation and that there are some of these other triggers for him. The strep, of course, is number one, but some of these other things are part of it as well. This has been a lot to navigate. But of course, as with anything, I'm thankful for all the information that I have so that I could put it all together. And for Dr. O'Hara, that is so helpful because it's just so hard to treat your own child. While pans and pandas is something that's talked about often in more of the functional medicine circles, I don't think it's talked about nearly as much or understood nearly as much in other places. In fact, our pediatrician, who's just more of a conventional pediatrician, was aware, but she also said that in conventional medical community, it's not even considered a diagnosis and blah, 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 blah. Well, you can imagine what I wanted to say to her in response, but I was polite. When I started to talk about this with the people that Jake is around, not many knew. Jake goes to this amazing school. They have the best principal and such wonderful teachers and counselor but this is just not something that is that well-known. His ABA therapist wasn't as familiar, and even the OT that he see, she's heard about it, but didn't really truly understand it. So my point is, while it is talked about in some circles, it's really quite unknown in most others, but it's something that can affect so many children. And it just makes me wonder, you know, how many kids get written off as being difficult or not compliant or even as bad children and sent to therapy and not really getting any evaluations? How many kids struggle with OCD symptoms? And while, of course, OCD can come from so many different underlying causes, this is definitely one that should be considered, especially if those symptoms seem to come on all of a sudden. What's also interesting is that families with autoimmune conditions seem to be more likely to have kids who are affected by this. So because pandas and pans flares are autoimmune in nature, it can create a lot of inflammation. 
And I know that so many of you who listen to the show have Hashimoto's or other autoimmunity. And I just really want to bring attention to this because I just don't think it's talked about nearly enough. I hope that me sharing my story can help someone who might be experiencing something similar. And if you know anyone, they could use this information if they have kids or grandkids, or maybe they're a teacher or therapist or they work with kids, please share this with them. And also, if this is something that you're interested in hearing more about, I actually want to get Dr. O'Hara on the show because she is just brilliant and is such a wealth of information. So if this is interesting to you and you want to hear more, please connect with me on Instagram. That's the easiest way to connect. I'm at Ina Toppler on Instagram. You can send me a direct message. Um, you could tag me on there and let me know because I will definitely get her on the show if you guys want to hear more details about this because obviously every case is different. This was our experience, but other kids can experience things a little bit differently and I'd love to continue this conversation. I'd also love it if you can share the show and especially if you know someone that might be going through something like this, share it on Instagram. Please make sure you tag me because I love to repost. As always, when it comes to your health issues, or issues with health in your family, please remember that the answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time on Health Mystery Solved, Thyroid and Hashimoto's Revealed. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.